Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm delighted to be joined by Ellison Weiss today. Hello, Sarah. Hello, E. What you up to? Getting ready to head back south. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We will we will talk about trips in a sec, but let's remind people you're the main thing that you talk about in the intro books. Books, books, and more books. And mm-hmm. I've had kind of an odd uh, couple of weeks. Um, haven't been reading as much, but I uh, can say, especially since the National Book Awards are this evening, Ooh. that I loved, love, love News of the World oh. by Paulette Giles. And I really think you would enjoy it. Um, oh, why is that? It's historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about an older gentleman, a retired army officer who travels around parts of Texas. And essentially what he does is he's a newsreader. And this is, is post-Civil uh, War. And he brings news to communities that otherwise might not have it. Oh. And, uh, you mean he just like reads it in town squares? He reads it. He it reads it usually in, you know, sometimes a general store, sometimes a church, wherever oh. he can have a gathering. Oh. Um, and that part is fascinating. But then at the early part of the book, what happens is somebody comes to him and says, listen, we've got this nine-year-old girl who was rescued um, from the Indians, the Kiowa Indians, mm-hmm. and we need you to take, him, take her back to her family. Mm. And we know that you travel and there's money in it and here and she has been with the Indians for uh, I think less than three years, oh. but she has totally, totally been assimilated by them and mm-hmm. has no desire to leave them. So essentially, it's about this relationship that springs up between this older gentleman and this very young, frightened girl. Oh. Um, and beautifully written, um. But interesting also from the historical standpoint. Uh, yeah. That I never, I had never heard that there were news readers that mm-hmm. went throughout the country. So, yeah, yeah. So, huh. yeah. And, yeah. and I can see it because you bring the books that you're reading. You, I do. You, you, and it's, so it's not very big. No, it's not. It's um, one of those what I call sort of, and this is going to sound strange, but I call it a big sandwich bag book <laughs> because it's about the size of a big sandwich bag. <laughs> And then speaking of sizes, I've got my teeny little. I know book. you got your you got your little pocketbook. I know I love Macmillan's uh, Collector's Library Edition, which uh, started over in the UK. And uh, I need to see one. Hand it to me. I uh, isn't it? It's He's it's darling. cute. It's little. It's probably about three and a half by five and three quarters. Oh, it is. It's not much bigger than um, a note card. That's exactly right. And but. Um, I just want to see, oh, the typeface, though. That is mighty small, oh, yeah. woman. Hello, readers, <laughs> cheaters. <laughs> yeah, Lots of light. Only read exactly during the middle right. of the day when the That's eyes exactly work well. exactly right. But I read, the first one I read is Ross Poldark by Winston <laughs> Graham, another historical uh, fiction, although a much older one. This is, I think he wrote this back in the 40s or 50s. That's when Poldark was written? Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. always thought Poldark was written, you know, kind of in the Austin era. 
No, no. Winston oh. Graham uh, has only been dead, I think, about 15 years, possibly. I think he died. Uh, oh, so like that, a contemporary of like Graham Greene or somebody yes, like that. Yes, yes. And this one, also historical fiction. Most people are familiar with the Poldark series on PBS. Yeah. Some of us are familiar with the first Poldark right, series. Exactly. Which exactly. actually I watched as an infant in my mother's arms. <clears throat> but um, that's, that's exactly <laughs> Alistair Cook. Um, So many of your readers have no idea what we're talking about. Um, Listeners, excuse me. Uh, But this one's a great, it's a great series. I'm on the second book now, Demelza. But um, even if you've seen the PBS series, I think it's worth worth a pickup. Wonderful description of life in the late 18th century in uh, Cornwall, Uh Cornwall region in England. Um, I, as you know, not always a lover of great long descriptive writing but this oh, is oh i didn't know that no i'm not thomas wolf be gone um <laughs> but this one really really good uh-huh. so yeah uh-huh. i think wait I, you don't like tom wolf like bonfire of the vanities no 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 thomas it's wolf thomas as wolf. in okay. uh, look homework fancy no no okay. <laughs> no no i wasn't giving him snaps on his name no uh look homeward angel oh sure yeah. oh Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's oh. a, as my father says, there's a train scene in the book that takes longer than the actual time it would take to make the trip. <laughs> um, and this darling little book also has one of those things that I love, which is the um, little ribbon that serves as a bookmark. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Built right in. It's got oh, gilded yeah, the, pages. Oh, yeah. The, the gold foil on the yeah, outside. Oh, it's yeah. very... It's very darling, and it seems like it should be something that you like. You keep in your like little satchel lunchbox or something. <laughs> or what is it? A portico? What's the the name that J- the people in Jane Austen's era used to have the little bags that they attached oh, with the wristlet oh, right. to their? Oh, I, didn't, I don't know. Somebody is called, out but there screaming it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. So uh, I really, I really enjoyed that one, and I've heard numerous people say I, I believe there are. 14 books in the series oh um and several people have said that it's the type of series where you start reading and you don't get series fatigue oh so that fascinates me Uh uh-huh so Uh but they're all different books they all just are that cute and like well now in this case uh Macmillan's Collector's Library has only put out two so far, the first two, but the actual series by Winston Graham uh, goes on and on. Oh, Um, But, yeah. Yeah, I knew that there were two two seasons of Poldark. Right. um, Because the new one, the second one, is currently on, and Jack and I DVR'd a couple of those. I'm like, we're not going to dive into the second one, so I'm waiting for the first season from uh, Multnomah County Public public good for you good for you yeah Yeah. so um what have you been reading so i i haven't been reading a ton of books but um i just flew home from uh connecticut yesterday and uh i got downloaded hamilton ron chernow's hamilton on um on audiobook so i started listening i've listened to there are 10 um parts to it and i'm already through two of them yeah Chernow is an amazing writer. Yeah, yeah. So, and then the crazy thing is, okay, so I'm doing it for um, book group, and I might have mentioned this on last week's podcast that, I mean, it's a 683-page book. Okay, that's a mighty big book. And so I'm listening to it on the flight yesterday from Chicago to PDX, and I look at the gentleman sitting next to me, and I'm like... Hey, and so I show him. I'm like, look what I'm listening to, because he was reading Hamilton. Oh wow, <laughs> Isn't that synchronicity! <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, uh, I mean, he made amazing progress. It, it actually literally put me asleep. Like I um, closed my eyes and lay down for a while and took a nap on the plane. But um, it is, I think, listening to it is the way to go. I can needlepoint while I listen. Right. And I can cook while listening. Right. And so I, I will be able to get through it. Whereas with the book, I just don't know if I ever could. I, I'm, I bet you might because Turnow is a fascinating writer. He is one of these nonfiction writers that really knows how to hold your attention. Not to sound ignorant, but it, there's a lot of words on the page. It's kind of, it's a big, large book. Not only does it have a lot of pages, but they're large pages. Right. And there's a lot of words on the page. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just real dense. Well, And so am I sometimes. <laughs> I want to throw a plug in for one of his other books called The Warburgs, oh. which is about a German banking family. Oh. And, uh, I mean, just saying that makes me... <laughs> you know, want to want to keel over, and it was fascinating. Oh, um, so he is the type of. I mean, you know, I think it's fantastic to listen to him on Audible for all the reasons you just described. Uh-huh. But if you want to pick up another book of his, he's got several, of course. But uh-huh. um, that one I just thought was riveting. Oh wow! Okay, okay, all right. Well, um, hearing about things German makes me think of my dad because he was fascinated with the World War II history. So I, as I alluded to, I just got back from Connecticut. And um, last week on the podcast, I said that I thought it might be the last time my whole family was together. And oh. nope, nope. <laughs> Dad seems to be doing slightly better than he was doing this summer. Fantastic. And I mean, we're talking gradations. We are talking dropping your right. pace from, you know, to 1055 after running 11 minute miles. <laughs> I mean, it's not a big change. But um, so he just, I mean, his skin, his coloring looked really good. He just seemed a lot happier. He didn't seem to have as many moments of confusion. Um, I mean, he's still just, in, just, you know, he really can't walk with a walker anymore. I mean, he goes, okay. they use the walker mainly as a way to transition him from the bed to a wheelchair, that sort of thing. And so, um, but oh, he and I shared some good laughs and, um, uh, we, um, you know, I read to him from the New York times, which is one of our favorite things to do. And as I was getting ready to leave yesterday, I said, dad, I said, the elevator still goes all the way to the top floor. And he goes, what do you mean by that? And I said, you have always had a sharp, sharp mind and it is still just as sharp. Oh, and I bet that pleased him. And uh, so, um, so we had very nice time. So my brother and his wife came up and um, I cooked two very lovely dinners for the entire family on Friday and Saturday. And your mother's favorite. The- uh, I have, it was, oh my gosh, on Saturday night, I don't know what got into me, the imp of the perverse, but I made a recipe that I have never cooked before. Whoa. And and I bought the ingredients for it on Friday. It's something I've been wanting to cook. It's a New York Times recipe. It's called uh, braised chicken with grapes. And I, I don't know why it intrigued me. And I bought the ingredients for it on Friday. And then on Saturday, I sort of was like, why did I do this to myself? Um, but the, the New York Times said that it's, you know, fancy, looks fancy enough. Oh my gosh. Now I realize probably Ellie is, might even be listening to this, but, <laughs> um, that it looks fancy enough to present to people at a dinner party, but it's easy enough for a weeknight dinner. And so, so, and I read the instruct, I read not only the instructions, but I read some of the comments. And so I made a tiny adjustment. It was so good. It was so tasty but if you do follow it i um added the grapes at the very last minute because people who said you and i 
uh, took them off the stem and sliced them in half, whereas the recipe called for them to be left on the stem. Right. But then comments were, you can't get the grapes off the stems. And um, it just, I don't know, it felt very um, um, co- bountiful because I served it on a platter and I am not a person who serves meals. Like I serve them, I put it on your plate out in the kitchen type right. thing. And um, so to have a, a platter dish um, was very nice. <laughs> and then, oh, and then I made a uh, homemade angel food cake. Because my sister-in-law happened to mention on Friday that she had never had a homemade um, angel food cake. You're kidding. And I love homemade angel food cake. And I find it very easy to make. So then it was very funny, though, because... So that's that was the genesis. That's why I cooked. That's why I baked it. And so then during dinner, my mother um, called my father's helper over and um, said in his ear, um, you know, see, my dad eats eats his food faster because his food has to be um, pureed. And so he kind of then gets kind of antsy because he wants his dessert. Every day he has um, vanilla ice cream with homemade hot fudge sauce. So you could tell dad was getting antsy. So my mother said to the helper, said, try to stall Charlie because Sarah baked an angel food cake for his birthday. I'm thinking, uh, no, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> I baked it, but... <laughs> oh, just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm like, glad you said something, Mom. So because my dad turns 90, God willing, on December 8th. And so the whole family is together. So anyway, so then later my mom said, um, oh, Sarah, that was so wonderful of you to think of that. And I'm like, yeah, it was your idea, Mom. <laughs> At least you gave her the credit. Oh, yeah. And then, then, oh, Sarah, that meant so much to your father. No, no. Yeah, it was your idea, Mom. <laughs> so, um, but it was, oh, it was really, really, really an exceptionally good angel food cake. And um, uh, so that was, um, it was, it was just really nice. And, and it was my sister and I, who she lives uh, nearby our parents. It was, it was really nice to um, spend some time with her. And we had some important conversations conversation with my mom with my sister um you know kind of got a little more on the same page with a couple different people and that's tough sometimes yes yes um but i was i held it together pretty much um and uh yeah you know it's it's tough i am definitely seen as the um outspoken take charge one in the family and i own that i mean i know that's my personality but i forget that i'm surrounded by people who are not that way Right. And I'm thinking, folks. Get a <laughs> like, grip. Yeah. And because we're not talking about someone who's 40 who's going to get better. We're talking about a man who's about to turn 90 who there is only down to go. Right. Um. So, you know, you don't get better from, from advanced stage Parkinson's, you know, so. But those are hard conversations to have, especially in a family dynamic. It is. It is. And, and I, uh, being the youngest, it doesn't help. And, um, you know, there's even my mother was uh, expressed open, almost shock at that. I cooked two such good meals, even though she knows I'm a cook. And so she said, Oh, you just don't strike me as, and she's kind of stumbling for the word. And I said, domestic. And she said, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that, that's like that people think somehow that because I'm athletic, I can't be domestic because a lot of people, when they find out I needlepoint, they're like, you needlepoint? Right. That seems like, and it's like, just because I like running a whole bunch of miles doesn't mean I don't also enjoy sitting in a chair right. and not moving very much right. or doing things with my hands. Well, and families are so funny because I think they get, uh, every family gets a picture of how each person is. Mm-hmm. And once that picture is there, it's frozen in time. Oh, 
oh my gosh, my my brother, who, as I believe I've said on this podcast, I I just I think my brother's the finest man who walks this earth, and and um, I'm also very pleased that I think my son is going to grow up to be very much like him in terms of having a huge heart and just being a very good person. And um, but my brother was a stoner in high school, and I don't, I don't think he listened to the podcast, so that's fine. <laughs> and he is now a highly successful corporate attorney in Atlanta, right? But there's a part of the family that still thinks he's a cut-and-class stoner who wears concert shirts, you know, black black body, white yep. sleeves, you know. And it's like, no, he wears a suit <laughs> and drives a company car and goes and handles multi-million dollar deals. <laughs> but he'll always be the stoner in yeah, some of their right, eyes. Right. right. Yeah. So, so anyway, yes, 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 yes. So... All right, I think I think we should wind this conversation down. But um, as we stare down Thanksgiving and the holiday and party going season beyond that, not to mention winter weather, ugh, um, I decided the time is right for a show about nutritional survival strategies during the holidays. Ellis and I are going to be joined by Ellie Kempton, Denver-based holistic nutritionist. Her lovely website is called Simply Nourished Nutrition, and it has the reassuring tagline of growing simple habits for sustainable health. Ellie is also the official nutritionist of the Train Like a Mother Club. And in 2017, she'll be leading five-week nutrition seminars called Simply Nourish Like a Mother. First one of those kicks off in early January, and you can find those at trainlikeamother.club. But before we dive into that conversation, we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, such a pleasure to be on with you. I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. So we're delighted to have you as part of the extended Another Mother Runner family. So let's start with you telling uh, about what prompted you to accept Dimity's invitation to be part of the Train Like a Mother Club. Oh, man. I I could go on for a while telling you all the different reasons. <laughs> but I, I think, um, leave it to say, I, I adore working with anyone who's invested in the long-term goals. And that's what I see with this group is everyone is in it for the long haul. And that's just such an honor to be working with anyone that's that invested and that engaged. Nice. So you're saying people who aren't out looking for just some quick gimmick or or just a a quick fix, but really trying to figure out how to form long-term habits and that sort of thing? Exactly. If you're in it for the quick fix, I'm probably the wrong gal. So anyone who comes in looking for something that they could imagine themselves doing 10 years from now, that's my kind of partner. So when Dimity asked, it was just a huge, you you should have seen my face. Of course, I was beaming um, with excitement. (laughs) Yes. Well, Ellie, on your website, we learned that you were a collegiate swimmer. Um, Are you still a swimmer? What can you uh, tell us about what you do now for fitness? 
I think you could call me a swammer. Which rhymes with bammer. We like that. Uh Yes, yes. I like to pretend I'm a swimmer. So I still, um, you know, tootle on over to uh, actually the pool that I grew up in uh, swimming about, you know, as a 10-year-old, two-a-day practices. Um, So there's a lot of nostalgia there. In fact, I swam yesterday and my old coach came up to me and, of course, made me so nervous to watch me swim. But um, (laughs) So yes, I do, but I look at it as more of my injury prevention at this point than mm-hmm. really my main bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I run quite a bit. I do a lot of trail running. Um, and I think what's what's so renewing to me is being out in an area where I can go places. I think what was so hard about swimming was you get in at the same point and you get out at the same point. So for me yeah. to actually be able to go places on my own two legs and call it my workout is fantastic. I can't get enough of it. And you like that you don't stare down at a black line when you're trail running that, you know, Oh, right. I know every tile on the bottom of these, every tile. (laughs) So it's, it's so refreshing. And then I do a little bit of, I do a combination of a few things. I um, practice a little bit of yoga. I used to be incredibly inflexible. So that's helped with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, we have two big furry babies, uh, otherwise known as horses. Oh, wow. Uh, do a little bit of writing as well. That's, I grew up with that, but I think actually I've gotten a little bit of a fear bug. So I don't, I, I'm, there's more at stake now if I have a bad injury. Mm -hmm. So I'm now a little bit more cautious with that. Interesting. Interesting. So tell us what got you interested in the realm of nutrition and then what your perspective is. Yeah, I found nutrition in the pool. Um, Mm -hmm. I, as I mentioned, I was swimmer from day one and, um, I, you know, I swim enough to be interested in nutrition at at the very least, maybe what foods could make me faster, but it kind of, the buck stopped there. Mm -hmm. By the time I was in college, it was more or less a matter of volume, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just, uh, the more I could eat, the better. I had a voracious appetite, Mm -hmm. but it was my sophomore year in school that I had severe stomach pains, mm. like debilitating, not the type where it's, oh, owie, that, that kind of hurts. It was, I couldn't get to the other side of the pool. Wow. And here I was on a full ride scholarship, mm. not able to compete for them. And so obviously my interest was piqued in what I could do differently. Um, and I was stubborn. I didn't look at nutrition first. I mm. looked at what I could do to medicate uh, because I wanted a quick fix. And that's why when we, you know, when we talk about my approach as not being a quick fix, that hits home really intimately because I looked for that and couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. And medication upon medication kind of failed me, which was so disappointing. Um, and then I found food, like the real kind of food that comes straight from the earth. And, uh, as soon as I started changing the way I lived and ate a little bit more real food, um, as opposed to what I was used to in a training environment, which was mostly just, uh, to be honest, I lived, I lived on donuts and goldfish crackers for the longest (laughs) time. So I'll just put that right out there. Um, so as soon as I actually ate a few things that were out of packages and just kind of slowed down a little bit, and that's a big piece of what I, what I like to offer the the women I work with is this idea that the way you live your life matters as well and building in self-care and that kind of thing as soon as I experienced that I literally came back to life and I was hooked like 
just obsessed with it um, and, and decided that I had to pursue my degree in nutrition. Um, so I went out to Seattle and got my master's in nutrition, and mm. here I am. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to speak from personal experience. It really is. As, as painful as it got and as, as low as I got with my, my health journey, I think that's why my, my story is compelling and my practice uh, can, can touch more lives from a more personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And, and you've said, Ellie, that you believe that the journey toward optimum health, optimum health is simple and tasty. So that definitely sounds like a journey I'd like to be part of. Um, But instead, a lot of times it seems like it's a bumpy road with lots of detours and roadblocks. Um, Can you talk to us about your approach in handling that? Mm -hmm. So that's what I actually love about my job is that it's very personalized because everyone's health story is just wrought with stumbling blocks. And um, so my approach in working with those is to make things more stepwise. If it doesn't feel like this huge leap of faith to get from the what to the how, then it's more tangible and practical. So Mm -hmm. if somebody comes in saying, I, you know, kind of my story, I can't digest anything. I, I, or, you know, I can't make it through a run without an urgency to go to the bathroom. I'm going to give them some of the most simple advice and cues to follow that can be started today or tomorrow, like very actionable so that when they run into roadblocks, it's not as much of a setback. It's more, oh, I, you know, we can tweak this or we can tweak that. Because I think that's really the only way I was able to adhere to what I did is that the, the naturopathic doctor that I saw gave me such simple advice. It, it didn't feel like rocket science. It felt like, oh, I can wrap my head around that. And if I can offer that sense of relief to anyone who walks into my office, my job is done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's mm. good. Yeah. So, and uh, you, you definitely mentioned the word simplicity and simple a, f- a few times, and you're a big believer that everyone can nutritionally survive the holidays simply. And and uh, <laughs> prior to this podcast, you sent me a list of five tips, each beginning with one of my favorite letters, S. And uh, I want us to go through those in slightly different order than you sent them. And I want to start with simplicity because I feel it re- relates to everyday life as well as the holiday season festooned with parties. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm glad you started there, obviously selfishly, because that's part of my my branding. Um, but I intentionally made everything to start with S because self-care also starts with S. Mm-hmm. And I, that's a big, that's almost primal food at this point. So um, if we're going to start with simplicity, I love what you were t- saying actually about that recipe you found on, was it Epicurious? Oh, uh, that's, that's my other favorite uh, food site, uh, uh, New, York New York Times, Times. Cooking. Okay. Okay. So I loved what you said. And that, I was actually jotting down notes on, on how you said, you know, it's fancy enough for a holiday party, mm-hmm. but simple enough for a dinner at home. Mm-hmm. And so what is something that I've taught in the past and I really like to teach any chance I get is make the plate elemental. Don't feel like you have to build out this gourmet smorgasbord to to fulfill and to nourish everyone that's sitting around the table. Mm. And so, you know, in preparation to talk with you, I put together a very simple handout that I know we'll post on the, um, on the website, but mm-hmm. it, it literally revisits, you know, how different foods can be almost stitched together to build not only a gorgeous plate. So think of yourself almost like an artist mm-hmm. building these colorful canvas. Um, but more so how can we just, 
Thai, very simple foods like your chicken and grapes. That's awesome and gorgeous on a platter as well. Tie it together uh, so that you don't feel like you have to go outside of your comfort zone to build a holiday meal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think in terms of those, sometimes I think like, oh, okay, I've got my got the protein there. I, um, first I was like, oh my gosh, I only cooked one vegetable. I'm like, but wait, those grapes are a fruit. That counts. Yes, yes. (laughs) Right, right. And that, and that's where, um, you know, what, anytime someone sits down in front of me, I always put down the illustration of the plate only to reassure them and almost reinforce these ideas that, Foods, you know, it's very simple to combine combine foods, obviously, but when you have when you feel empowered to keep things as with as few ingredients as possible, more often times the food speaks for itself, especially if those ingredients are fresh. And that's the thing I'm always gonna preach as I teach and help women across the country build their holiday menu is less is more. Don't make it fussy. I mean, mm-hmm. that recipe that you referenced did not sound fussy at all. Here I am Googling it to try to find it myself because it's, you know, mm-hmm. simple. Chicken, the the grapes, embellish, the bring out the flavor profile of the chicken and you're done mm-hmm. as opposed to finding a recipe that has, you know, upwards of 15, 20 ingredients and you're left frazzled at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's focus on meal time when we're talking about that. One of your S's is slow down. Yes. I love this piece of advice, but I have to admit, this is one of the hardest ones for me personally to follow. And I have to remind myself every day because living in this fast paced world and, um, you know, coordinating as many things as I know we all do in our everyday lives, it's really hard to remember just to sit down and enjoy the entire experience of the meal. Mm -hmm. There's so much more to it than just the flavor of the food or, um, you know, getting it onto the plate at holiday dinners. Typically there's more to enjoy, especially the company. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you're able to sit down and slow down, then you're able to look at more. You're able to look at the color and kind of going back to that idea that I put out there that your plate is your canvas. Mm -hmm. Just take a few seconds to take that in. And I've been just amazed at every holiday dinner when I take a minute to do this, how much more I appreciate about the meal. So the color, the smell, and then as you're eating, if you're able to slow down enough to experience even the texture of the food, you're gonna enjoy that food so much more. But here I am preaching this, and I promise it's an act of discipline at first because it's it's not, it, you know, it's not intuitive. My, I'm such a competitive person and having been an athlete my entire <laughs> life, let me just tell you, I'm. I'm the one racing to be done first, but here's what I've had to do with myself. I've had to sit down and almost race to be last Mm. competitive to be the last one done. (laughs) And that's how I can, I know, isn't that so warped, but here I am trying to channel all my competitive efforts into something that will allow me to stand up from the table without that feeling of just overwhelming satiation. Mm -hmm. So that I, I, I feel just nourished. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so so let's get into the meat, haha, of of holiday seasons, <laughs> parties and out of the norm meals, whether it's a big sit-down affair with your extended family, a work party with a groaning buffet table of options or a neighborhood potluck. And your overarching advice is share a plate of your own. Another S, share. Um, so can you slice and dice that for us further? And I'm just killing myself with these food puns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Groan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. No, and this is this is probably um, a more untraditional advice for for everyone. But And I definitely do not mean it to be that when you go to a holiday party, you need to bring something that's quote unquote safe and something mm-hmm. that you're only going to be eating. That is not my intention. Mm-hmm. My intention is more to revive the art of cooking throughout the holiday season, because I think as counterintuitive as this is, a lot of us fall out, either cook for obligation or fall out of the kitchen altogether. And this is the season. And in fact, I'm preaching this from the hilltops because I just came back from a weekend long workshop where I taught this and that if you're able to get into the kitchen with foods that are either new to you or Hmm. foods that really excite you, there's something really powerful about preparing those and sharing those. Mm -hmm. It's a really neat concept. And so I put together a few recipes for your audience Mm -hmm. that I think would be fun because they have lots of familiar ingredients, but some new ingredients. So one of which is this delicata squash salad Mm -hmm. that I put in the packet for you. And um, I love delicata squash. Have either of you tried delicata squash? You know, they're, they're, um, it's big at Trader Joe's right now, which is I admit. Oh, it's huge. It's like that big bucket that you see as soon as you walk in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I have Mm -hmm. not gone there because I'm not, I've realized this year, I'm not a fan of butternut squash. Yeah. Is that against the rules that I say that? And my husband loves squash. I'm not a Uh -uh. a squash. So so sell us on delicata squash then. Please. Okay. Here's my sales pitch. So you cut it in half Uh and you scoop the seeds out and then you just slice it into half moons Mm -hmm. and you roast it with the skin on and skin becomes really crispy. So you almost make fries out of it. Mm. It is, I call it dirt candy. It is literally. <laughs> what you call it? Dirt yes. candy? Deep. Dirt candy. Don't you love that? <laughs> yes. It's dirt candy. So <laughs> I just think that if you can just embellish salads with things like that, all of a sudden your appreciation for the kitchen comes back. Because I think a lot, I hear a lot of, oh, I've just got to make this. I've got to make this. Well, if you're able to prepare something that's so exciting and new to you, I guarantee that trickles down to the rest of, well, first to the people around you, but also uh, to the to the the people you're sharing it with. And so, uh, I I always urge people to to pick one or two things a week that they really truly enjoy. And then if you're joining a party, offering to bring something that's really brought you a lot of excitement is is really powerful. I see women come alive around that type of um, experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, as for party specifics, when you're talking about gathering with friends, um, you do recommend savoring a snack before heading to a gathering. It seems a bit counterintuitive to eat before going out to a party where we're going to be faced with loads of food and drink options. So tell us the thinking behind your suggestion. And if you would, please give us some satisfying snack suggestions also. Yes, yes. So the reason I put this out there uh, is because it's like putting on a little layer of bubble wrap before you head out to a party, right? Best analogy. So just imagine this little layer where you can walk into a party with so much sanity around the choices that are being offered and 
eat in a more responsive way instead of reactionary way. And I know everyone out there knows what I'm talking about, where it's almost just out of uh, not haste, but maybe you make more decisions to eat certain things that just don't make you feel good at the end of the night. If you walk into a party with a little bit of protein in your stomach, and this goes for even hosting parties, because I host a lot of dinner parties and just adore it, but the first thing I'm gonna serve my guests is a little bit of protein, and my favorite forms of protein are gonna be foods that contain actually a little bit of protein and fat. So cheese, nuts and seeds, even a charcuterie platter is wonderful Mm -hmm. because with a little bit of protein in your stomach, which delays gastric emptying, so it delays the the digestive process, you're going to walk in with just a tiny, tiny, you're still going to have an appetite, but tiny bit of satiation so that you can intentionally choose what else you put on your plate or better yet, intentionally choose the pace at which you eat, which again is what we talked about. It just makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about the the nut recipe that you included in that um, kind of booklet that we've been we've been talking about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking yep. about a, a lot of runners who head into the holiday season, maybe they really ramped up their mileage and they come in hungry, but they don't want to get that kind of what I call bad food hangover, mm-hmm. even though they they need something to to fill them up before they start off the next day. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. 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 So, and, and e, you were wondering about the, um, the order that Ellie talked about filling up the plate. Do you want to ask that question? Yeah, Ellie, in the past, and don't ask me where I got this, could be old wives tale, but I had always heard that you, you and you mentioned it here, starting off with protein, but I noticed that um, in one of the handouts, you talked about starting off with veggies. Could you talk a little bit about that? Good. I'm glad you brought this up. So I'm always going to recommend that as you fill a dinner plate or an entree plate, you want to start off every meal with vegetables. You're absolutely right. Vegetables are going to give you the vitamins and minerals, and those are the prerequisite to digesting and absorbing the rest of your food. Mm. So it's almost that little checkpoint, the gateway through which you walk towards the rest of the plate. So the protein is definitely going to give you that satiety factor that we talked about by snacking on it. But if you're going to be sitting down to a meal, you absolutely, if possible, start want to start off with vegetables if you have access to them. Then you want to work your way around the plate to protein because protein, especially for all the runners, are going to, is going to be that building block, that source of building blocks for t- muscle tissue. And if you eat that second, and this is, again, in an ideal scenario, in an ideal world, if you have the capacity to have those foods separated and you eat protein second, then you come to carbs and I guarantee you're going to have a very different perspective on how many you can tolerate. Not to say I like to limit carbohydrate consumption by any stretch of the imagination, but more so when you're eating with that type of pattern, it's much more of an... uh, intuitive eating and you don't you aren't restricted by numbers or specific amounts you kind of eat to tolerance at that point and you're going to have a much lower tolerance 
So now I'm intrigued by that because when I eat things, and I have this debate with my kids a lot, like with my older daughter, she always asks me, do I eat what I like first or do I save that for last? And like typically we have this conversation like if we're at a Chinese restaurant or Indian or something like that. And if let's say I have three different kind of dishes on my plate, she'll always be like, well, mom, are you going to eat all of the chana masala first or are you going to save that for last or that type of thing? So... But in terms of if I have um, vegetables, protein, and carbohydrates kind of more set out on the plate, you really, you would encourage people to eat the vegetables that are on the plate and then the protein rather than, because I sometimes like, let's say I had that chicken with grapes and I served a rice peel off with it and green beans. And so I would kind of, you know, like have, uh, get a little chicken on my fork and put a grape and then a little bit of rice peel off in that same bite rather than just going like, okay, now I'm going to eat the green beans. All of them. Now the chicken. You know, so. <laughs> like a robot. Right. Right. Yeah. right. I don't want to breed robots out there. You're absolutely right. And you know, I my intention with everything I teach is to equip women with this idea that we want to eat with gusto instead of fear. Uh-huh. So when we're talking about when when we're applying it to this scenario, it's the lines have to be blurry. It's never black and white. I really want you to combine foods that taste good together. Okay. But Lord knows if you get to the end of the meal and you haven't had a lick of vegetables, are you mm-hmm. going to dive into a big salad? Yeah, right. That's Probably good. not. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. And I think a lot of foods, especially Indian food, I'm glad you brought up that as a perfect example. That requires that you combine foods. My right. gosh, right. if you don't eat your, you know, if you don't <laughs> right. eat your curry with the non bread, you're missing out on the boat, right? Exactly. So I absolutely do not preach this black and white. In fact, with anything I do, we've got to build this very beautiful hue of gray because that's sustainable and that's real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. All right, I will. I'll try to tell Phoebe that the next time she asks me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and look like a cool mom. Right, right, right. Okay, so the the final S on your list, Ellie, is one of the main tent poles of another mother runner and the train like a mother club, club, which is self care. And um, from your perspective, how should mother runners be putting themselves first on their to do list at least once a day? This is my absolute favorite bullet, and I'm glad you saved best for last (laughs) because I think that if I'm going to encourage any mother runner to do anything throughout the holiday season, it's to carve out five or 10 minutes every single day for themselves to fill their cup back up. And my, my encouragement would be to make it at either the beginning of the day or at the end, or create a tiny little buffer at both the beginning and the end, again, as that sense of bubble wrap. Um, so that as things come up, there's so much less uh, reactionary mentality when, when you're approaching it. So when I think of self-care and actually I included this adorable little self-care menu only to mm-hmm. inspire every mother runner out there to sigh relief when they see how simple these things can be. Um, one of the options I put on the, um, on the menu is actually, uh, breathing, mm-hmm. breathing, like something that, and I teach something called box breathing, where you breathe in for the same amount of counts that you hold, you breathe out for the same amount of counts that you hold. So you envision a box and mm-hmm. that's something that you can start your day off on is breathing. Um, a few others on the list and, and there's quite a few, I think about mm-hmm. 10 to 15 options here, um, would be a bathing, Something that I think sounds so luxurious, but it's something you can do in the comfort of your home. And it actually helps with sore muscles. You could put some Epsom salts in there. You could put some essential oil in there. Something that takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes 
I hope that you want to stay longer. But um, one of those things that kind of just fills your cup back up at the at the end of the day, because I think that's what I see time and time again, is women across the country pouring their cup out tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit, so that the holiday season is more about depletion than renewal. Mm -hmm. And I think the holiday season needs to be set aside as maybe a time for a little bit more self-care because you know you know you're going to be in contact with more stressors and maybe more things that are, are are depleting to your stores one of the things you had on there was oil pulling and i have no clue what that is Yes, I'm so glad you asked. In fact, if you weren't going to ask, I was going to, I was going to, of course, jump in. Okay, I'm um, but, <laughs> yes, I'm that, no, it's not just common, common knowledge, I promise. <laughs> so oil pulling, this one is um, very much rooted in uh, Ayurvedic nutrition. Have either of you heard of Ayurvedic nutrition? Yes, I am. A, yeah. I can't remember which one of the three you're, I am. You're fire? You're, uh, you're no, I'm, a, I'm, a, oh. I'm scrawny and skinny. Pitta? Yeah, that's oh, it. Vata. Uh, I think okay. I think I'm a Vata. I'm small, fair, and tiny boned. Mm-hmm. Is that a Vata? Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Vata. Okay. So I love it. So it's it's very um, it's a neat school of nutrition, but the oil pulling comes from this idea that a lot of pathogens, a lot of things that are suppressive to our immunity enter through our mouth. So the best way that we can protect ourselves is by taking oil and and any oil. I like to do it with coconut oil and you let it melt a little bit and then swish it gently from side to side. It's very meditative. In your mouth? And I guarantee, in your mouth? In your mouth. Yeah. Oh, in your mouth. Yeah. Isn't that some, it's the most absurd thing to think about if you think about swishing oil. <laughs> but what you're doing is you are drawing out the toxins in your mouth and also oils like uh, coconut oil and even olive oil for that matter are very antibacterial. Hmm. And so, um, it's, it's kind of kind of killing two birds with one stone in that sense in that it's very meditative because if you swish too hard and I've tried, <laughs> it hurts your mouth. It literally hurts. Did like you get a little ache. competitive there, Ellie? <laughs> oh, of course I got competitive. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. I'm sure I was standing across from my husband in the kitchen. Like I can switch faster than you. <laughs> I got your number there, Ellie. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So if it's a game, I will play. But this is a game you can't lose at because you you can do it while you're doing other things. And that's the piece. I, I try to intentionally put self-care options on your menu that don't take too much time or you can be doing them while you're doing other things. And how often um, so would you do the oil pulling? Would you do it once a day and at a particular time or what do you recommend on that? Sarah and I are I, very intrigued. intrigued. Oh, I love this. I love this. I'm going to build an oil pulling army. Um, <laughs> Um, so I like to do it first thing in the morning because I find that when I wake up, I'm kind of on in fifth gear on high octane output. So I need to slow myself down a little bit. And I kind of like getting that fresh feeling in my mouth first thing in the morning. So I recommend doing it once a day. You want to do it for about five to 10 minutes. You can do it up to 20 minutes. Wow. Um, Yeah. And, and the, the thing about it is that you'll, you'll know when your tipping point is, cause you'll just kind of feel this release in your mouth and then you just spit it out and go on with your day. And so, uh, so to get the, the coconut oil, you'd have to, you have to warm it up some. So you put it in your mouth when it's warm too. 
you do have to, yes, you, um, you definitely want to take a scoop because now as you know, obviously with the winter months, it's going to be solid in your cupboards. Right. And you just take a nice old spoon. I just keep a jar of coconut oil in, um, in my, you know, medicine cabinet in my, Uh uh, bathroom. And I just take a nice spoonful after I've brushed my teeth, throw it in. And it's almost kind of nice. It's this moment of silence. Like I told, I tell a lot of the mothers I work with, this is, if your kids know that you are oil pulling, (laughs) um, they may not ask you questions. They may not, they will get oil spit at them if they ask any questions. So it's your silent space of meditation and oil pulling. That is so funny. Also, because my kids love to ask me questions while I'm brushing my teeth. It makes me so irate because I'm like brushing my teeth. And then when I'm done, I'm like, don't talk to me while I'm brushing my teeth. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, well, oil pulling is right down your alley then and you can do it for upwards of 20 minutes (laughs) oh my gosh and so but but back to the so if it's in solid ish form do i take like a clump of it and put it in my mouth and then it eventually kind of dissolves in my mouth it melts so much faster than you'd imagine. Oh, it really, really? does. Oh, so, I thought I was going yep, to the It melts really yeah. quickly. So you just kind of stick it on the top of your tongue. I do maybe about a tablespoon. Okay. Once you do it once, you'll know what your tolerance is. I put way too much in my mouth the first time. I <laughs> I wish there was a video, a secret video of me doing this the first time. It would be your Facebook live. viral on YouTube. Like There's it would have made me really. so famous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I put way too much in and it was kind of like seeping out the sides of my <laughs> mouth, which was so attractive, I'm sure. Good thing I was already married. So anyway, <laughs> then I, um, you put a little bit less and you just swish it so gently and then you'll spit it out and you'll see it's gross when you spit it out. You're like, wow, I'm so glad that came out of my mouth. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Because particularly because you said you're doing this after you brush your teeth. So this isn't like that you've got blackberry seeds in it or, you know, that like leftover kale from the night before. This is, wow. Oh, now I'm intrigued. I am too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I can't wait to hear what you think. You're going to, you're both going to have to email me and tell me your first oil pull. All right. (laughs) Good shot or otherwise, you promise? I'm going to try it tomorrow morning. Yay. Good, good, good. I love it. Oh, my gosh. So uh, any parting holiday survival wisdom that you feel we haven't touched on or are we going to, we going to end on the oil pulling note? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's memorable. I guess I just, I so badly want to empower everyone around the country just to walk into this season with a new perspective, something just hold on to these little tidbits, whether it was the slowing down or building a simple plate, or maybe cooking something that you've never cooked before. Walk into it with this idea that these holidays are going to build memories and those memories are going to be the sustainable healthcare piece. Because I think that's as much as I wish I could help everyone traverse every holiday dish that, you know, they, they do or don't want to eat. That's not really the way that I feel like I can help the most because they're going to be there and you, you're going to be exposed to probably a lot more food than you typically eat. And you're going to be expected to do a lot more than you're typically expected to do. But if you walk in with a few of these S's for sanity, I think you're going to walk out with just a lot more, oh, excitement and and you'll be left with a little bit more reserve in your tank which is what i hope to breed with with these little talks that we that we get to do in in before the holidays even hit us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. good 
All right. Well, awesome. 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 So this was a ton of fun, Ellie. And I, I love where we, the, the side trips that we took on this conversation. And, and I look forward to having you as a guest on the podcast in the new year. Thanks, Ellie. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And, and a note to listeners, uh, Ellie referred several times to that PDF, that kind of um, guidebook um, that's basically a survive the holidays with less stress guide and um, includes a load of nutrition and lifestyle advice, as well as the handful of recipes. And we're going to include a link to that on the post on our website that will go up with this podcast. So if you are listening to this podcast from iTunes or from Acast, head on over to anothermotherrunner.com and you can download that PDF from there. So thanks again, Ellie. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, E, I think from the look on your face, it tells me that you're going to be trying that oil pulling. Dang right. I'm <laughs> running home to make sure we've got some of the uh, coconut oil. We use it with cooking, but oh, yeah. I got to tell you, when she said five to ten minutes and then I, well, 20, 20, and up I, to 20, I was like, you know, one to two minutes, <laughs> swish. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, mouthwashes. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. But um, I just think she has very, uh, just a delightful manner about oh, her. I love that. Yeah. And, and I love that she's so enthusiastic. I mean, it's obvious that she loves what she does. And mm-hmm. I think she's going to bring that to the community. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Dimity really found a gem in her. So I'm, I'm pleased. Yeah. Yeah. So well, speaking of Dimity, uh, let's hear what the gals in the Train Like a Mother Club are up to. Hello, hello, it's Dimity here in Denver. I am about to head east to Philadelphia and run a little half marathon with some other runners, gonna be awesome. Um, In the meantime though, I wanted to head on over to the Train Like a Mother Challenge Corner um, and actually uh, read an email uh, from a woman named Barb Eisner who didn't do a challenge, but I've been corresponding with her a little bit over email and um, I just loved the email that I got the other day and she said I could read it for the Train Like a Mother Club Corner. So here goes. Hi, Dimity. I did it. I ran the New York City Marathon on Sunday. It was the most incredible, amazing, awesome experience. From the minute I landed in New York City to the flight back to Portland, Oregon, I was on cloud nine. The race was everything I thought it would might be times 100. I never stopped smiling through the whole thing. I soaked in everything. New York started lay down the red carpet treatment for all of us. Every volunteer over the weekend was so helpful, supportive, and encouraging. The course was lined with more people than I have ever seen in one place, and that sure did help when these hills appeared out of nowhere, (laughs) especially miles 22 to 24, and then again at the very end. Another mother runner has given me so much inspiration over my training since July. I followed not precisely, um, but with some twists and turns, a mix of the finish and own it plan in the Train Like a Mother book. So she followed, there's a marathon training plan and train like a mother. There's a finish it plan and there's an own it plan. And she nicely blended the two. Your weekly podcast helped me prepare for this race mentally. I love hearing them each and every week. Below, if you scroll past our email chain quickly from March, is a link to a few happy race pictures of me. Can you tell I am one proud mother runner? And the cherry on top, at 50, I be cued. Woohoo! I just don't know if it will be good enough to actually get into the race, but I be cued. You probably get so many emails each and every day, so if you don't see this or can't get back to me, I just know that it is out there in this 
AMR space. I am feeling so dandy about this marathon thing I accomplished. It's my first one since 1997. I am 50 and feeling elated. I better get ready for work. I'm off to see 26 second graders to go on a field trip to the Oregon Food Bank. I can't stop pitching myself. Take care. So that was just, I just loved everything about that. Of course, you know, um, I love that she used our plans, even if she didn't do the what we what I called our plans coming to life, which is a train like a mother club. But just her energy. I mean, there are so many capital letters in this email and so much just energy. And I just love that. And honestly, I scrolled through her pictures. I wrote back. I said, there's no way you are 50. She looks like she's about 35, which probably she feels like because she hangs out with second graders and runs a BQ. So congrats, Barb, um, on that awesome race. So that's it for the Train Like a Mother Club Corner. I just want to make one quick announcement um, that we are doing. Gosh, I feel like a school principal. I'm just going to make one announcement over the loudspeaker, please. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, the week of December 5th to the 11th. So it's a Monday to a Sunday. We are going to have webinars that you can attend. It's about 2017 goal setting and racing. So if you want some help picking races, if you're not sure if you're ready for a marathon, um, we're going to have different webinars set up with different coaches. So Coach Amanda Loudon from the Traditional Challenges will have a webinar. Coach MK Fleming from the um, Heart Rate Challenges will have a webinar, or actually a couple. Everyone's going to have a couple so that people can attend because I realize not everyone can be there at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. Um, And then the triathlon coaches Uh, Jennifer Harrison and Elizabeth Waterstrat um, are also going to have a couple webinars, um, and I'm going to see if I can line up a nutrition one and maybe even the um, one we're having with Justin Ross, which is high performance training. So that's going to be some mental training webinars um, that we're going to do some challenges in 2017. So just uh, we'll have plenty of announcements about them next week, and we will have um, an email out to everybody about them so you won't miss your time. And it's, you know, first, everybody can come. Um, and just wanted to let you give you a heads up about that. So again, that's week of December 5th through the 11th. Okay, that's enough from me. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. As long as we're talking holidays, remember the Mother Runner store. MotherRunnerStore.com is loaded with sassy, practical, and affordable gift options, either for your family and friends or from your family and friends. Our newly designed site allows you to send an email of a product you're hoping to get. So how's that for a hint? Um, In the next week or two, we're going to debut some specially priced holiday gift bundles, including a brand new long sleeve tech tee that will pair with a sweaty band as one option, and then with a brand new trucker hat as another option. We're also just unveiled a sublime long sleeve version of our super popular Badass Mother Runner Tattoo Tee. They're selling so fast that I had to order more of them from our supplier. So get them while they last. Um, This new one is a great weight, light enough to layer or perfect on its own in more temperate climates. It's a go with everything heathered charcoal gray. All of that and much more are for sale at the Mother Runner store, motherrunnerstore.com. Many happy miles to you.